So on um, page three of your handout, you have uh, the results of an analysis I did of the relative frequency of stock phrases in the Terigata compared to in the Teragata, so the poems of the nuns as compared to the poems of the monks, and then also um, to all the other uh, parts of the um, Sutta Pitaka, to the Digha Nikaya, the Majjhima Nikaya, the Samyutta Nikaya, and the Anguttara Nikaya. Um, <coughs> so, you know, some of these uh, translators, especially the earlier ones, when they, they get to the stock phrases and they would consider that these were just, you know, completely uh, of no literary interest at all. You know, that because they were repetitious, you know, and they'd heard them before. They'd, oh, God, there they go again, saying the same old thing. But I actually, out of, you know, this Dhammavijaya approach, uh, took a curious interest in these stock phrases that could, because they do come up often. And I tried to approach it with an open mind and sort of think, okay, what's, what might have been the intention behind this? And the results actually were really uh, interesting. So... <coughs> I should tell you that there's a fantastic research tool uh, that I use to, to do this, also the one that I did in the first table of uh, the, the key words. It's called the Digital Poly Reader, and it's um, a Firefox plugin that you download. And it has uh, three amazing search functions. So it's got the entire Sutta Pitaka uh, in it, and I think... I think it also um, has uh, the Vinaya and uh, the Abhidhamma, but um, it has th three functions. So the first one is navigation. So you just um, you click on the navigation, and you have to know the structure of where the texts are. You know, th this is such and such a, uh, a text with this section and this number and this uh, thing, and that's how you, you select your text and then click a little arrow, and the whole text comes up in Polly on the screen. But what's wonderful about that is that with your mouse, if you put the cursor over any of the words, the definition in the Polly Text Society dictionary comes out at the bottom with all the footnotes and everything you could ever want to know about a word. So it's just, it's a fascinating um, way to, to, first of all, you know, learn about the nuances of Polly words. But then there's a second function of this digital poly reader, which is the search function. So that's what I used for, say, these stock phrases. Um, so in the, in the left-hand column, where you can see in bold what I actually put in uh, the search engine. And the, the parts that are not in bold in the end are ones that I left out. Because poly is um, a language that's declined, like Latin. And so it has many, the words have many endings. And if you want to, it would just take forever to try to do all the, you know, myriad uh, endings of a word. So you just cut it off at, at the stem and search for that. Uh, and then it, you know, you just click a button and, and it goes, you decide which of the um, Nikayas you want to look into. And then um, you click the search and brrrp, it, they're all there. And so that's, that's amazing. And then the third function of the uh, digital poly reader is called the tool, and that's a, that's a dictionary. So you can put in a word, a poly word there, and it will give you the, the dictionary meaning. 
so it's, it's really um, it's really a wonderful wonderful research tool. It's, it's exquisite. It was developed by a Canadian monk, um, and it's brilliant. So, uh, thanks to modern technology for this new way of doing research. Um, so, um, as I mentioned before, uh, since these texts are of very different uh, lengths, have, have a different number of poems or suttas in them, um, instead of comparing the actual number of occurrences, you compare the relative frequencies. So you take the number of occurrences, and th those are the numbers you see in the columns. Um, and then, no, and then you uh, divide it by the number of poems or suttas in the text, and you multiply by 100. And then so the numbers that are presented there are relative frequencies. So um, what we can see here uh, is that in the English translations, I shaded those stock phrases that are at least twice as prevalent in the women's poems than in the, me uh, than in the men's. So that's kind of interesting, you know? Um, the mass of darkness is split apart, taught me the Dharma, no control over my mind. And in this, uh, the column under the Terigata, T-H-I, the ones that are uh, dark shaded are, are phrases that occur in the Terigata and nowhere else at all in the Pali Canon, in any of the Nikayas. So the nuns talk about no control over the mind, and nobody else talks about that. Um, then there's bear your last body, having conquered Mara. So, you know, a lot of times these nuns are, are brave, and twice as often the nuns conquer Mara than the, than the monks do. Um, and then there's this uh, expression like swords and stakes, and that's when they're talking about sensual desire. Sensual desire is like swords and stakes. And this, too, is double for the nuns. Young men find wealth. This is... Uh, a way of beginning a, a discussion on uh, what it's like to be a householder. Um, the next one is, is one that occurs nowhere else. Wash your feet quickly and sit down to one side. And this is, I think, one that conveys some vega, which is spiritual urgency. Um, come and come and wash your feet, sit down. Let's do it. Uh, another one that uh, is interesting, taught me the Dharma, the aggregates, the sense spheres, and the elements. And then with respect to Mara, uh, he's often referred to as death, um, or the evil one, you are defeated. Death, you are defeated. So the, the, the nuns uh, defeat Mara twice as often as the monks do. Pulling out craving down to the root, cultivating the signless, this is the last body, Realizing the six supernormal knowledges, having my dart plucked out. So the dart is the dart of their grief, of their suffering. The Buddha plucks out their dart. Um, so they're they're much more apt to talk about their their pain and their 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 suffering. And then there's one that I particularly like, uh, where when the the nun attains awakening, she then says, "And I stretched out my feet." You know that that wonderful feeling after you've been sitting for an hour, or in, this, in their case, sometimes sitting for a week without getting up, and then they finally stretch out their feet. It's, it's a beautiful um, kind of concrete image. 
and uh, doing the teacher's teaching. Um, sure, let's have some, you have questions? Uh, Meg, there are many, many other stock phrases in the suttas um, besides the ones you listed here. Uh, and I'm curious about your selection. So, uh, for instance, the last three in this chart um, are uh, found in 2.7% of the... Um, of the Terigata. Of the, of the, in the Terigata. And, uh, and, and uh, none at all in any of the others. In that grammatical formulation. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's, a, that's uh, something I should have mentioned, that in this precise grammatical form- formulation, they don't exist anywhere else. And so um, if it's because 2.7% of the Terigata is not that many, compared to some other stock phrases that I see over and over again. Uh, I, I wonder why you consider them to be stock phrases. And I wonder um, if you could be selecting to I, make a I picked point. the ones that, that seemed to be the most prevalent in the Terigata and went from there. Okay. I didn't look at the ones that were most prevalent throughout the suttas, for example, and worked the other way. I see. Okay. So this is, this is a Terigata-based starting point. I see. Okay, thank and you. And it also depends on the grammar. Um, so if, if something similar is said in a slightly different way, I wouldn't have picked that up. Okay. Thank you. Okay, now let's go um, quickly to page uh, four and five. Um, this uh, is some differences between the poems of the nuns and the poems of the monks, the Terigata and the Terigata. And what's in this uh, part of the handout is based on research by Catherine Blackstone, who wrote a book called Women in the Footsteps of the Buddha. And she did that in the 70s, I think, or maybe the 80s. But anyway, she didn't have anything like the digital Pali reader, and she uh, didn't read Pali. So she, she based her analysis of the differences between these two um, collections on uh, K.R. Norman's English translations. And Kiara Norman's a good one to pick because, one, he translated both of them, and, two, he's very, very careful about how he translates the Pali. But still, it's, it's not the same thing as doing the orig- work in the original Pali. But she's found some really interesting things. She found that um, 70% uh, of the poems in the Terigata, the authors are talking about their own awakening, whereas in only 37% of the men's poems talk about it. So they're not talking about their own experience as much as they are sort of theorizing about what it might be like or talking about other people experiencing things. Um, And then in terms of talking about their previous lifestyles before they ordained, the women are doing this 34% of the time and the the monks less than 10%. So for women to leave home was a much or a bigger adventure. It was a much more uh, dramatic um, change for women than it was for men. Um, the men uh, didn't need to ask anybody's permission, and they didn't need to worry about who's going to take care of the kids. They could just leave. 
But the women uh, couldn't leave home without their husband's permission. And if they weren't married yet, they couldn't leave home without their parents' permission. So it was a, it was a very different situation. And, and I think uh, probably true that it's more difficult for a mother to leave her children than for a man in this particular cultural time. And so the women also talk more about their uh, accounts of, of how they uh, converted and became nuns, 23% versus 5 And then another really interesting thing is verses that describe overt conflict. 35% of the women describe conflict like um, being aggressed by uh, you know, a potential rapist or having Mara come along and, and uh, trying to seduce you. Um, whereas only half a percent of the poems of the monk uh, deal with conflict. And um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. So she, she argues that the two texts are identical in form, structure, and style, but nevertheless have consistent gender differentiation in their religious expressions. So then, um, now I'd like to talk about why, why poetry. And uh, Gill points out in his introduction again um, in this book that um, poetry was learned, used to preserve um, and to learn and to disseminate really important teachings. The Dhammapada is a great example of that. Uh, and they, these teachings were particularly valid, valued by the very early Buddhists. Um, the Pali in the poems of the Terigata are very rhythmic and very regular in their meter, so there's a whole song uh, aspect that comes along that, that we don't get in, in English. And the most frequent poetic styles in these poems is repetition. Repetition of sound, of sense, of meaning, and uh, a literary uh, repetition that's called anaphora, which is when you repeat words and phrases at the beginning of uh, successive clauses or successive stanzas. Um, so if you hear um, repetition in these poems, you can think about how this repetition might be uh, a literary device in an oral culture where no one had a text to read and where uh, you had to remember everything. Um, there's a commentary uh, on the Terigata. The Terigata is, is this you know, a short book of, uh, I don't know, maybe 100 pages or so. And the, the, the commentary is over 400 pages on it. And it was written by Dhammapala in the 6th century uh, of the Common Era, so almost a 1,000 years later. Uh, the commentary was written, yeah. And he um, provides the backstory to a lot of the poems. So, you know, how much of it he's made it up, uh, who knows? But anyway, he was a very, you know, a very good scholar and and um, and added a, a kind of an interesting dimension, uh, giving life to the poems that maybe that wouldn't have been so obvious otherwise. But what is really terrible, I think, and, and it is true of almost all the translations, is that. Um, so I want to talk to you about the different translations we've got. 
Uh, this one is a partial translation by Tan Jeff. Um, and then we have uh, this one by K.R. Norman, um, which is really excellent because it's hi- his um, emphasis was to be as faithful as possible to the Pali. So that's great if you want to know what the Pali was trying to say, but it's not great for poetry. You know, it's, it, it, he, he, didn't make, he didn't try to be poetic. Uh, Reese Davis, by the other hand, um, tried to be poetic, but it was a far cry from, from you know, what the, what the Pali was really uh, saying. Then we have a wonderful book by Susan Murcott. Um, and she organizes it. So she first wrote this in 91. She organizes, and it's not a complete translation, but it's, I guess she's got three quarters of them in there. She left out poems that were repetitious of other ones or ones that she considered late, like some of the later ones uh, that we talked about before. But she groups it um, by different types of women. There's Mahabhajapati Gotami and her disciples, and then Patachara and hers, and the wanderers, and the wise women, the mothers, the wives, the old women, the prostitutes, the friends, um, and so forth. But she um, makes what I consider to be a mistake, which is confounding the commentary with the text. So what, what we have in the Terigata is a canonical text. What we have in the commentary is a thousand years later. It's not, it's not canonical. And although it's nice to um, have these additional stories associated with the poems, it shouldn't be taken literally. And in one place, um, the, the uh, author of the commentary, Dhammapala, mixes up two of the nuns. Uh, it's Kisagotami and Patachara. And he attributes uh, Kisagotami's poem, which is all about her losing her family and this incredible grief and, you know, just horrible suffering, to um, Patachara. And, and Murcott presents it that way, but it's not that way in, in, in the text. That's not how it is. The text, you know, Patachara's poem is Patachara's and Kisagotami's is And what's even more amazing is that this person, Charles Hallisey, who has put out this very prestigious uh, book in the Murti Classical Library of India, uh, it's a really fancy uh, book, and, and it has the, the wonderful virtue of having the polytext written on this page and the English translation over here. But what he does is he adds entire verses that don't exist in the poly, and they come from the commentary. And he doesn't tell you that. So it's it, he also has very strange um, translations um, for uh, sensual pleasure. He talks about it as sexual pleasure, which, you know, I I think is probably a lot wider than that. So this is a complete translation. But but again, um, this amalgamating the commentary and the poems is is not defendable from a scholarly perspective. And uh, so those are my thoughts on the on the different translations, which is why I'm so pleased uh, to be able to work today with Gill's draft translation, which he did after I wrote my thesis, which he supervised. And um, 
he doesn't have time for this kind of stuff, but he did, <laughs> he did it. Uh, anyway, what I, what I have is a very draft version that's got still got typos and is you know still got some things that are not quite translated yet, but um, it's a wonderful uh, beginning. And Gil did all the poems uh, also. So um, the, what you what you'll see in in the uh, in the handbook is his translations. But um, sometimes I have my own opinion and. Um, I think that something else would be translated a little bit better differently, so I actually put in a few modifications, and plus I, I edited some of the typos, but I also made a few um, modifications. I have a sure. How many? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's How many women are we talking about? Seventy-three poems, and and they're all different women. Uh, some people think they're all different, and some people uh, don't. Um, quite a number of them have the same name. And it's not clear that it, it, it sounds to me from reading the poems that they, they're probably different women, but it doesn't say so. The commentary, a thousand years later, says they're different women and says why and, and gives them you know biographies that are different. Um, and some of them have the same name, but then they have an epithet afterwards to, to say, this is the uh, supa of uh, the, the Smith's daughter, and this is the supa of uh, the Grove. So I think, it's, I think it's okay to say it's about 73 different women. <laughs> 